Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Royal Oaks. Next time on Too Many Lawyers, we take on a couple of villains to sort out whether bad stuff is also illegal stuff. George Santos won a seat in Congress by lying to voters, but is that a crime? And Kanye West made it clear he hates Jews. In England, he'd go to jail for that. Here in America, did he commit a hate crime? Listen to Too Many Lawyers on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. John Anik and Kenny Florian. I fucking love them. I can't get enough of them. Let's hear that boss tonight. Big job there from Duffy and Frank Mir is hurt now. Oh, Down goes Duffy out cold. Frank Mir does it again. Rock'em, sock'em, robots here. Oh, my goodness. I believe They're a couple of absolutely self-involved bullshit artists. Here are your hosts, John Anik and Kenny Florian. All right, UFC pay-per-view week is upon us. little extra pep in our step today. Good to have you with us for episode 361 of the Anakin Florian Podcast. It is Monday, August 15th, 2022, but a whole lot to get to, of course, before we get to UFC 278. My man, Ken Flo, repping the Anakin Florian Podcast loud and proud <laughs> across England. Where are you right now, my man? Right now, I'm in uh, Staffordshire. And uh, yeah, yeah, my hair was all messed up. I, you know, I woke up late. My sleep is all screwed up. I am an, I am a complete mess right now. But uh, you can see in my eyes. Look at that. I'm like barely awake. But uh, I'm doing good, kid. I'm, I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Keeping busy. I know that uh, sometimes fans get upset when when I lead with your hair, but since you led with it today, I'm just gonna say, you know, keep that lettuce a little bit tight. Like you, t- you must have gotten a haircut before you went to the United Kingdom. I actually, I took, I took the ultimate risk. I took the ultimate risk. I went to Cardiff, Wales, saw a barbershop and walked in cold, got my hair cut. It's a little, little closer to the hair than I typically get, but uh, it it, it turned out good. I I rolled, rolled the dice and uh, took the gamble. Has Clark chimed in on, on the haircut? She actually likes it. She likes See? my hair a little bit longer, but she actually she had to admit she was like, "It actually it looks good. It looks it good. looks yeah. good, man. It looks yeah. fucking clean, bro." <laughs> but <laughs> that's you. not the lead of the show. But I'm just telling you. So Ken Flo across 
England, in Staffordshire right now, about 20 minutes outside Wolverhampton. And then Wednesday, yeah. he's headed to London as the PFL festivities uh, continue. Today's Anakin Florian podcast brought to you in some part by UFC Fight Pass. See, the best Fight Pass has to offer on the Fight Pass 24-7 stream, offering a constant channel of historic fight action all day, all night. Tune in, sit back, and enjoy a network created by fans for fans. Step into our world, UFCFightPass.com. And the Anakin Florian podcast rewind. Episode two, looking back at Amanda Nunez's win over Misha Tate at UFC 200 is now available. The next episode coming your way, I believe, will be Kenny Florian versus Chris Lieben from like 2004, October on the Ultimate Fighter season one. So very excited to uh, to get that one in the can as well. All right. A lot to get to today. We will recap UFC Fight Night Vera versus Cruz. Um, but I want to begin with Rory McDonald and, and what you've got going on in the PFL. Um, as many of our listeners now know, uh, Rory lost over the weekend. He ultimately retired from mixed martial arts. And, uh, you know, people get very sensitive with certain adjectives, whether it's the word great or the word legend. Uh Certainly a Canadian mixed martial arts legend, to be sure. And for my money, a legendary mixed martial arts career. I mean, certainly my time covering the sport, uh, you know, runs sort of the gamut of his career. Uh, what are your thoughts on Rory McDonald ultimately over the weekend and hanging him up for good? He truly was one of these new generation of fighters. You know, I, I guess we're probably in the third generation now. Uh, with these, you know, early 20, you know, young 20 year olds coming up. Uh, but he was certainly a part of that second generation um, of martial artists who came up training in the sport at an early age, started training at 14 years old. I had met him out in Kelowna, British Columbia uh, when he was 18, year, 18 years old, uh, was already uh, uh, an excellent mixed martial artist back then at an early age. And for me, I, I think he is a legend, you know, not only uh, for Canada, but it, for the sport in general. You look at what he's achieved, his record, um, you know, going going toe-to-toe -to -toe in, in one of the best title fights of all time against Robbie Lawler and did it against a Robbie Lawler that was an absolute killer who was beating Robbie Lawler back then when he was again in that resurgence when he had reached uh what I thought was his prime um and uh just an, an insane fight back then um and was was doing great against him uh prior to yeah. the stoppage and you know then went on to be a Bellator world champion um and uh you know again uh, made it to the semifinals here uh, you know, here in the PFL got taken out by, by a young 25 year old out of Sanford MMA, um, and, uh, wasn't able to get it done, but achieved so many great things at 33 years old retiring. Um, I, I think it is a phenomenal career and, uh, excited for Rory to what he has going on, um, uh, you know, in the next chapter of his life. Yeah, and as Tim Kennedy sort of suggested on social media, he's excited to see Rory now contribute uh, societally after his fighting career is now over. You know, some have suggested maybe relative to expectations, he underachieved a little bit. You know, he wasn't this long reigning undisputed UFC champion. Obviously, he never realized the UFC belt, but that fight at UFC 189 with him and Robbie Lawler, right? You got to think that that at least gets him into that fight wing of the UFC Hall of Fame at some point in time. He was able, to your point, to add another world title and maybe a little bit underwhelming in terms of the PFL expectations relative to when he got there, but um, just a guy who is so memorable, right? In, in an era, right? I mean, I have a fighter card library behind me of probably 7,000 fighters. Maybe it's not that many, right? There's a lot of forgettable fighters in there. You know, Rory McDonald was not forgettable. And you obviously met him when he was a very young kid. And so we yeah. wanted to give some shine to Rory uh, off the top of the program today. All right. 
as I've said on this podcast, if I was getting married this weekend to my second wife, right? Not going to happen, honey. Don't worry about it. <laughs> and you said, all right, your groomsmen, your wedding party can only be UFC fighters, and you have to pick the five or six guys you're closest to. Dominic Cruz and Marlon Chito Vera would probably both get a call from me. That being said, all of my energy today, all of my positivity today is I'm fainting. Okay. This is one of the harder episodes that I've had to do. And candidly, after watching Cheeto Vera's amazing win over Dominic Cruz over the weekend, my appetite to go to Salt Lake City, Utah, isn't really there right now. Like, I'm trying to be real with the audience. Like, for the first time Saturday night, like, I didn't want anything to do with this sport for the first time since 2007. And... You know, a lot of that obviously speaks to just how close I am with Dominic Cruz, probably my best friend on the roster, certainly my best friend on the roster, the guy I've spent the most time with. And, you know, I just, I don't know, man. Yeah, he fought well, no doubt about it. Um, And, and Cheeto, we're going to spend a quarter of an hour talking about Cheeto's greatness. I think he should fight for the title. But I don't know, man. Like, I don't know. I'm glad we're doing the show on Monday and not Sunday because I was in no mood to do this this podcast yesterday. This is exactly why I don't have any friends, John, in mixed martial <laughs> arts. I, I try to avoid it altogether. No, it's it's tough, and it must be really difficult for you as well, man. You know, I, I know. You know, back when we had Cheeto uh, on the podcast, I know you were um, really about helping him and his family with his daughter and all that stuff. You were championing that effort uh, to raise money for him and his family. Um, and of course, you've been working with Dominic for, for such a long time. Uh, I imagine it's very difficult. And, th- and that's one of the things. It's always kind of been very difficult for me for that reason to pick fights because we sure. are around fighters all the time. You become friendly with them. You get to know them. You know, for you, you get to know them and their families and you learn so much about them uh, and you see their growth and all that stuff. And that relationship builds over time. Um, yeah, it, it, it's always a difficult thing when, when that kind of situation arises. Obviously, in the time that you and I worked together, you won more than you lost. But again, I've told this audience, you know, sitting down to write Ken Flo a text like after the BJ Penn fight. It's like, what do you even say? You know, it probably took me 45 minutes or an hour to craft that text message and trying to sort of find a point of comparison as I try to sort of self-soothe a little bit, you know, when the Patriots maybe lost a Super Bowl or something like that. You know, those are some of the worst days of my life, waking up the day after as a sports fan. But I don't know the particulars. You know, this is just totally different, you know. And uh, I don't even know. You know, I'll probably talk to Dom later today. And, um, you know, I don't know how his nose is, but he has been responsive over uh, over text. And, uh, you know, I think he wishes that maybe he had uh, yinned when he should have yanged in that particular moment. And his ego obviously is bruised. But, uh, you know, he's so mentally forged and so mentally tough that uh, if anyone is sort of well-equipped and hardened to be able to deal with something like this, it's probably him. But um, obviously not the way he drew it up. Um, let us get to Marlon Chito Vera because – as far as I'm concerned, Ken Flo, he deserves a championship opportunity after this fourth consecutive win. Uh, certainly, I think his style for five rounds works well because he has now lost rounds one and two to Frankie Edgar and Dominic Cruz, you know, in recent fights. Uh, but he is the most decorated finisher in this division's history. And, um, you know, I think he's going to be favored against most guys at 135 pounds because of that fact. Uh, your thoughts on Cheeto and the balance of these three plus rounds against Dominic Cruz? You know, the word assassin is thrown around a lot. Um, And for me, Cheeto Vera is is a perfect example of an assassin. To be an assassin, you have to be patient. 
You have to be able to watch your opponent. You have to be able to read patterns. And reading the patterns of a Dominic Cruz is no easy task. People get lost in his movement uh, and get, um, you know, hypnotized by his footwork. And Dominic Cruz's style is set up so perfectly against people who punch well. Now, in this fight, uh, you know, I talked about Dominic Cruz maybe losing a step. If I'm being honest, I don't think I saw Dominic Cruz that had lost a step. He looked fast AF, okay? He looked extremely fast. He was moving really well in and out. The problem with Dominic in this fight, um, I I think it was – these were technical issues. He was uh, attacking in straight lines. And I think maybe because he felt he was significantly faster than Cheeto Vera that he could afford to do that. His feints are so good and he was throwing Cheeto off. But as we know, Cheeto was very patient. He was adjusting to that style and he started catching Dominic Cruz going forward. He was attacking in this linear fashion. And if you're attacking that linear fashion, you throw straight punches. And that's where Cheeto was kind of catching Dominic. Dominic was running into either a jab or a cross and he was getting dropped. Um, The other thing is not only were the entrances an issue, in my opinion, for Dominic, but his exits were an issue. Now, again, as he exits, he does a great job of avoiding punches, but where he's in line for are roundhouse style kicks, whether it's attacking the legs like Henry Cejudo was or whether it's attacking the body or head uh, like Cheeto Vera was in this instance. um, He he is vulnerable to that. And ultimately, uh, Cheeto was, was finding that those exits were a little bit too close for comfort. Um, and he was throwing that kick and eventually caught him. He was coming closer and closer with them. Um, didn't throw a whole lot of them, but for, for Cheeto Vera, it's not about quantity. It's about quality. And once he figures you out, he's not looking to win rounds. Right, he's looking right. to kill you. He's yeah. trying to take you out. He is a finisher through and through, and he will be there right in front of you until he's able to get it done. Um, Dominic, um, you know, I think a three-round fight would have suited Dominic. Uh, A five-round fight um, is going to be tougher for him because Cheeto is going to be continue to press forward. He's not going to get tired. He's not going to lose his will to win. He's not going to really get frustrated. Uh, So, uh, again, this was a fascinating fight, a very technical fight between two of the best in the game. I thought Dominic was looking phenomenal. He was winning the fight up until that point. But uh, Cheeto is smart. He's a killer, uh, and he had perfect timing on that finish. And even in round one, I turned to my wife and I said, I kind of feel like the knockout here is an eventuality. You know, Dominic may book some rounds here, but I just uh, I didn't like some of those early knockdowns. I want to uh, to share some tweets from the UFC Bantamweight champion, Aljamain Sterling. After the fight, he wrote, Father Time is truly undefeated. I said before this fight that it may be the passing of the guard. Cheeto can still take a shot. Cruz, not so much. It's the circle of life in this game. Cheeto caught him at the right time in both their careers. Great win. And obviously, you can imagine some of the responses that came Aljo's way after that. And then he responded to one of them. Uh, Bro, he dropped him with a jab. Durability was not there. I see what you're trying to say, but let's be real. Cruz of old eats those early shots. So... And then, you know, a lot of people have suggested that maybe Dominic Cruz's style is better for boxing and point fighting than it is for mixed martial arts at this point in time. You know, I can certainly sit here in admiration of Dominic Cruz at 37 years old, given his style, the way he's still able to compete and bank round, so to speak, against a guy as elite as Cheeto Vera. Um, but what are your thoughts on on Cruz's durability, which has always been a strength, uh, seemingly not being there despite some obvious power from Cheeto early on. 
Well, well, Dominic's heart can never be questioned. He is a fighter through and through. You know, although he is the ultimate technician, uh, he is a fighter. Now, uh, in regards to his chin, I don't know. There may be some truth to that. It's hard to pinpoint where a fighter is faltering all the time. Um, I, I tend to try to look at the technical over anything else because uh, if we're being honest, a lot of those things is just me or whoever speculating. speculating ah, he doesn't right. have the same no, chin. Right. He doesn't have this. Right. You know, we don't know for sure. We, we don't have enough information on Dominic's body and brain or whether he could take a shot or not. Okay. Um, what I will say is that uh, there are times where Dominic's base, his stance is not set up to take a shot properly. Why? He leans back. He gets his head over his hips, which is not a great balance, um, you know, to have when you're uh, trying to avoid strikes. Uh, so his body isn't necessarily set up to take a strike in, in that manner. You will get knocked down. Uh, and, and to me, Dominic was recovering. It wasn't there was maybe one time where he looked like he wasn't with it for a second or two. Um, but that was one of those where he ran right into the shot. He was yeah. You know, it was him with that crashing, that car crashing effect that was kind of a head-on collision with, I believe, Cheetos. It was a jab or a cross. Um, but I don't know how much validity there is to that. I think more it's a it's a manner it's a matter of people figuring out the style of Dominic Cruz. Now, yeah. I, I kind of want to say that because, again. Although his style isn't necessarily one that, you know, w was great sometimes, you know, the way he leans back uh, in taking shots, it also was a style that many people could not figure out for a very long time. And why I have admiration for Dominic's style and approach is because it is so uniquely Dominic Cruz. He goes out there and breaks all the rules that are out there. Um, and I think that is the sign of a phenomenal martial artist is when you can break the rules and when you can inject some or all of who you are into that style. It was so intelligent. It was so, um, you know, beautiful and how he'd fainted. And, and I, again, he's not the most like, like technically refined fighter as far as how you traditionally throw a punch or a kick. That's not what Dominic was about. It was his movement uh, and his feints and how he confused guys and how he outfought you and baited you and lured you into shots, which made Dominic so unique and so damn good as a mixed martial artist. Now, again, being on top for that long, ultimately and eventually, people are going to start to figure you out. Um, and, you know, and that happens for anybody. So I think that as far as, you know, talking about father time, that was more for me the issue than opposed yeah. to you know, him not having the chin that he used to have, right? Having a style where eventually, you know, you've been on top for so long, people will eventually figure out no, no matter how good you are, no matter who yeah. you are, people are going to figure you out. I could listen to you all day. And as far as the speculative nature of talking about someone's chin, the only thing that isn't speculative that I could add is that Dominic spars a ton and needs a ton of rounds to get ready for these competitions. And some of our athletes aren't necessarily, you know, of that mindset and of that mentality, you know. So I'm, certainly I think, you know, it does stand to reason that, uh, you know, his button has been softened over the years. But big picture, and you hit on a lot of what maybe I was going to say, in terms of him as an athlete, Cruz, like he has maximized his utility, you know, like he's not the most naturally gifted athlete and to see him sort of, you know, come through everything injury wise that he has come through and now put together back to back to back 
training camps and be healthy for all of them. You know, he's in great shape and I really hope that he, you know, fights on. I think the trouble is, is that his mentality oftentimes dovetails with yours, that if there isn't a path to the title, why stick around? And as I sit here on Monday, August 15th, 2022, for the first time in a long time, you can argue that the path to a title for Cruzy is now probably three years. I yeah. mean, maybe, maybe there would be a short notice opportunity whereby he steps in for Song Yudong against Corey Sandhagen and beats him. And all of a sudden you push the reset button and you're right there. But, you know, if Dom doesn't see a path to the title, I'm not sure he's going to stick around for uh, for a couple hundred thousand dollars to show. Well, again, he's a guy who's been at the cream of the cream, the cream of the crop for a very, very long time. And Dominic, um, you know, only wants to fight the elite. He wants to fight the best. That's what he's there for. Um, and, and I think he's certainly matured as a fighter, you know, hearing some of his thoughts post-fight. Um, you know, you could see that. Uh, I, I wonder, John, do you think he would ever consider a 145-pound run? Uh, is that even feasible, you, you think? Or... Oh, yeah. I mean, he he would always say to me that he wanted to compete at 55. Now, Max Holloway has said to me that he wants to fight at 85 before his UFC career right. is over. But no, I absolutely think a, a super fight at 145 pounds makes a lot of sense, even moving up and seeing what you could do there. No, it's a great point. And, you know, I can't speak to this weight cut and how difficult it was, but I can certainly speak to the previous one for the uh, Pedro Munoz fight. Uh, it was an unmitigated disaster. There was a little bit of a misstep, mm. but that was a terrible cut. This one seemingly went better. He made championship weight. He weighed in a lot earlier, but uh, remarkable career. Obviously, he's going into the UFC Hall of Fame. Uh, I just don't like seeing any of my broadcast partners or friends being put on the wrong end of a highlight like that. Um, but I guess unless it's Cheeto Vera, right? Because it is amazing as much of an assassin and, and a savage as Cheeto is. One of the most kind-hearted, likable, amicable dudes on the roster. I think DC put it well when he says he's the chillest dude in the UFC. You know, he's got a lot of John Jones in him, I think, in terms of when he walks out, just ice water in his veins, like just enjoys fight night. Um, what are your thoughts on Cheeto now as we spin it forward for him? You know how I feel about who's left in front of him. Um, what do you think they do with Marlon Cheeto Vera right now? Gosh, I, he has to be in the conversation. I'm not saying anything, uh, you know, uh, shocking. He's got to be in the conversation to, for for having a title shot. Um, you know, I, I think that uh, you know may, maybe he fights the the winner of, of Aljo uh, and the next one, Aljo Dillashaw, and, yeah. and Dillashaw. Yeah, sorry. Um, so he's, he's he definitely is deserved. You look at his win streak and the way he's going about it, and, and the kind of confidence that he's coming out with. I, I, Again, he came out to that fight against a Dominic Cruzo again, who I thought looked phenomenal. And it, he seemed like it was just a matter of fact that he was going to go out there and win. You could just see it in his vibe and yeah, his approach yeah. during the fight. Nothing ever faced him, even when things weren't going well. And so he's fighting with a, with a confidence and his conditioning is phenomenal. He, he's in his prime right now. And he's had the right fights to build himself up at this point. I don't think he's going to get to a title fight and be shocked or surprised, or oh, frustrated. Right, right. He, nothing's going to throw this kid off at this point. So I think um, he's doing all the right things um, in the offseason. I, I mean, yeah, give, give him the next I know that I know this division's insane, and, and there's so much competition there, but why not? I mean, he could fight the winner of Dillashaw and, and Aljo ne next one out. No, no question about it. I know he likes to stay busy. Uh, he, it seems like he's making good money now as well. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I'm curious to see what, what happens here. Yeah, no, it's very nice to see him sort of realize some riches on that side, too. Uh, 
as you sort of look at the division and who might be best equipped to beat Cheeto Vera, I mean, certainly Jose Aldo gave him some problems. It's not as though this is like a nine fight winning streak for Cheeto. It is four. Uh, there have been guys who have gotten him, you know, um, but man, I just love the style for five rounds. Obviously, we all admire the finishing ability, the cardiovascular base as good as anyone's in this division. Dude, he's not even fucking sweating during these fights. Now, granted, he's not throwing a ton of offense out there, right? I would imagine there are some statistical things that we could bring up that wouldn't be so favorable for Cheeto because honestly, the stats don't even fucking matter, you know? Um, but if you're picking one guy in that top 10 to try to beat Cheeto, you know, is it a guy like Marab Dwalish Willie that's just going to try to take him down all night? I mean, I can tell you that a lot of Dominic Cruz's training, you know, was rooted in not just getting those takedowns late in rounds, but trying to create some grappling transitions, some scrambles, and maybe open up a choke. I mean, Dominic Cruz was not blind to the fact that Cheeto Vera is a very hard guy to damage and hit to the head, you know? Um, but I, I think Cheeto's going to be favored to beat a lot of these guys at 35. Uh, listen, it's all about fundamentals, and, and uh, Cheeto is fighting with um, a very simple style, but it's extremely effective, you know, both offensively and defensively. Uh, so, you know, you have Sanhagen, which I think would be an interesting style just based on his movement. Uh, and how he moves, I think if you're looking, you know, of course, you mentioned Jose Aldo, who did very well against him. Um, you know, uh, Aljo, I think, matches up pretty well against him just because of his tremendous grappling. Yeah. Uh, but again, he's got a shot against anyone in that division, whether they're wearing a belt or not. I think he deserves it. Um, and I don't know, depending on what happens with Aljo and Dillashaw. Uh, you know, perhaps if Sanhagen gets by uh, Song Yadong, maybe maybe Sanhagen and, and Cheeto go at it. You know, Sanhagen number yeah. four right now, that would be a tremendous fight. That's a that's main event worthy. Yeah, no, they're the the opportunities are uh are pretty endless right now at 135 pounds. I do think a title fight between Aljamain Sterling and Marlon Cheeto Vera um, would be very interesting stylistically. Yeah. All right, that is enough on that. We congratulate Marlon Chito Vera on the big win. And we will talk to Cruzy here on the show probably in the next month to see uh, to see how he's holding up. Um, hopefully they were able to uh, fix that pretty face of his. Um, did you happen to see the co-main event between Nate Landwehr and David Onama? I mean, lest we soon not forget what Matt Schnell and Sumu Darji did recently as we talk about the 2022 fights of the year. But this co-main event was absolute bananas and uh you know we know our guy brian petrie loves nate the train and uh i think his fan base uh got pretty swollen over the weekend kid that fight was ridiculous uh, and again for me that, <laughs> of course the, the the matt schnell fight um you know is going to be up there right but uh as of right now dude i i have that as my fight of the year just ridiculous the the start that onama had uh was amazing his fast twitch uh, you know, striking is something to behold. He is so fast out there and just looked very technically sound how he was moving and setting up punches. Um, but a fight is a fight and you never know what's going to happen with that other guy who is taking damage and how they're able to come back. I mean, Nate uh, is a savage. Uh, he is an absolute savage. The way that he was able to come back, he was out. And actually, his head hit the canvas, and he woke back up. And boy, did he wake back up. He came back uh, to, you know, uh, really start to dominate Onama, uh, even at the end of round one. And things kind of never swung back the way of Onama. Onama had his moments, but you see, you could see he was mentally and physically defeated at that point. Uh, and I, I don't know. I was just, 
I, I was just uh, amazed by the performance from Landwehr and and how he how he came back, how he let Onama off the canvas several times and kind of like. He didn't have to do that. He could have finished him on the canvas. He was there to entertain, yeah, uh, which, yeah. which is just wild to me. Um, I, I can imagine that uh, Dana White was very excited watching that fight. Uh, it's, it, that was insane. And I'm sitting here thinking, man, this isn't good for David Onama's career longevity. No, I mean, I'm not thinking that the whole fight, obviously, when I'm watching. But, you know, I think you, you're in this game long enough uh, in whatever capacity and, and you become conditioned to some of that. I mean, David Onama, you understood as you're watching, recognized that he was a part of something special. And, uh, you know, James Krause did say to him, I believe, after round two, do you still want to fight? And, uh, you know, I think the commentators sort of said at the beginning of round three, it's like, well, if you're not going to fucking bail me out, I guess we're going to go take a little bit more damage. Um, right. But just absolutely insane that Landwehr was able to rally like that. And then Onama rallies back. And I think just the back and forth nature of it um, obviously is going to have it hold up as one of the uh, the better fights of 2022. And Nate the Train, man, you know, I just can't relate to the toughness, you know, of a guy like that. I just can't. Next and Onama, too. I mean, just unbelievable. Oh, yeah. um, all right. A couple other performances that I do want to highlight before we try to wake up Ray Longo. We actually are going to try to do a wake up call. It is 733 a.m. Pacific time. <laughs> so Ray is about four minutes late at this point in time. But he's out there for the contender series. And we know it's early. But obviously, Marab Dwalashwili is fighting on pay-per-view coming up Saturday night. So kind of feel like we need to talk to uh to Raymond Longo. So we will do the wake up call thing uh, here in a little bit. Uh, Gerald Mershart with a huge win as underdog as he is so accustomed to doing over Bruno Silva. He gets his submission there with the guillotine choke. Uh, no bonus for GM three Angela Hill over Lupe Godina is another big winner by underdog here. And I just feel so good for Angela Hill. I don't know how much of our listeners saw the entire fight, but um, you know, it was a close fight. I thought Ange deserved to win. I just thought her jab in round three was the difference. But the California State Athletic Commission discloses earnings, and it just gives me great pleasure to report to you that Angela Hill made $190,000 on Saturday night, $95,000 to show and a win bonus of $95,000. And some people might suggest, you know, wow, Angela Hill making a whole lot of money, right? And it's like, yeah, she's probably on her fifth or sixth UFC contract. If I'm not mistaken, she's competed like 20 times in the UFC. She's been on the wrong end of a lot of split decisions in my mind, and, uh, I don't know. I'm just so happy for her. This fight got moved up, right? Tough matchup, you would think, stylistically against Lupe Godinez. And, uh, you know, Angela Hill has really made a career of this. And uh, I'm just very happy to uh, to see her sort of realize some of the gains. You know what I'm saying? No, absolutely. And, and she's evolved so much. You can see that she's she's one of those fighters that are always training, always looking to add uh, yeah. things into her game. And, and uh, yeah, that was that was a good win, man. And her husband, Adam Blair Pride, deserves a lot of credit, you know, who has sort of become her head coach over the last several performances. So, uh, all right, congratulations to uh, to Angela Hill. All right, texted Ray, no reply. I'm going to hold off on, I mean, you really want me to do a wake-up call on the air right now? I don't think I can do it at 7.35 a.m. Pacific time. So let us spin it forward, Cody. Let us get to the pronunciation of the week, and then we will try to bump up the main event challenge and get to Longo before we get on out of here, UFC 278, Usman versus Edwards 2, as we call on Cody Merrow. Also getting a haircut since we last saw him and looking looking fine today, Cody. Is that a, fl is that a flat top kid? What is that? Is that a oh, flat yeah. top? It's a is that? Just a classic buzzer kid. All right. Uh, to the old right. Bob. I told him to take a couple off the top. 
What's good, kid? What After we looks win good? a series against the Yanks this past weekend, huh? That's good stuff, kid. <laughs> so you went to City Field to watch the uh, the New York Metropolitans play, huh? I did watch the old Amazons, huh? Watch yeah. all the Masons. Pretty, pretty funny. New York's got two teams. Neither one of them are actually in New York City, so I always just like to give them shit for that. Hey, but yeah, yeah, it's a good yeah. time. I, I went out to see the the Edwin Diaz trumpets, but didn't get it. It was a six nothing game. But right. is someone right. in the UFC going to walk out to that? Because that would be fire. Like so, if someone this weekend doesn't walk out to the Edwin Diaz trumpets, like I'm going to be disappointed. If you don't know what Cody's talking about, Google it. But yes, the whole uh, closer routine right now for uh, for the Mets is uh, is straight fire, kid. Yeah, I think at some point. You got to think that uh, that somebody will uh, be Marab. Wouldn't that be a great walkout from Marab? Yeah, just really That's anything. True. I mean, Marab Mar- yeah. could walk out to radio radio static, and I'd still be pumped up. I'm excited. I mean, do you see right some in the of corner. the Instagram footage from Marab? You know, did you like- see? It? Yeah, today today he was up at four in the morning before the sun was up, and he had his video. He woke up his videographer to get him hitting pads outside. It's a complete Damn. nutcase at the UFCPI going in and out of the hot and cold plunge as if it's like some deep pool and doing like it. swan dives into the into the hot tub. Just a total. Just make, sure there's no, make sure there's no branches sticking out of those things, will you? Yeah, I know. Right. Well, can you imagine sitting there? You're like, oh, let me get a nice relaxing cold plunge. And there's Marab June Gainers into the six foot deep <laughs> pool. So uh, we do have Marab's file today, uh, correct? In addition to the actual yes, two pronunciations of the week. So um, if you'd be so kind, I would love it if we could hear Marab say his name uh, here at this point in time on the program. All righty. Thanks. Marab Twalishwili. Marab Twalishwili. So everybody says Marab. Sounds like he says Mayrob. I already voiced the fight with him and Jose Aldo as Marab, but Kempflow, it sounds like Mayrob, doesn't it? Mayrob. Mayrob. And it is it Dwalish Wheelie? Yeah, it's Dwalish Wheelie. Yeah. But it's the like Visa, the V's are W. Involved. Exactly. Yeah, the V's are W's. Yeah. yeah. Cody, doesn't it sound like Mayrob and not Marab? I think so. Mayrob. Mayrob. Same lazy yeah. shit with Bilal, you know? Right. Yeah. Bilal. It's well, Bilal. May, may rob oh. you of your cardio, of your soul. There you, know, you just go. Like, <laughs> so many different things. I like that. All right. You know, that's just for the masses, neither here nor there. Probably won't bring it up to my bosses for fear we'll be revoicing. But may Rob Dwalish really yeah. uh, fighting Jose Aldo here Saturday at UFC 278. But now let us actually get to the pronunciation of the week. All right. First one is a flyweight out of Mexico City. He takes part in the first fight of the night. And the reason... Why I pull up this file is because I voiced it differently than it was voiced in his UFC debut. So you guys are going to be my tiebreaker today. Cody Merrow, um, first name Victor. Who am I talking about? So I believe it's Victor Altamirano. Okay, so Cody said Victor Altamirano. Let's let's hear the file. Victor Altamirano. Slow down. Victor Altamirano. Victor El Magnifico Altamirano. I'd say that every time I introduce myself. Yeah, like, I, I mean, my name's Al Magnifico. Like that's it. I know. I, I love hearing. How do I do, boys? Some of these close fighters say their names. Ken Flo, what do you think? I'd say close, but I wouldn't give it to him. No. Um, kind of a stickler. So here's yeah. the issue, right? And if you don't find this interesting, feel for feel feel free to fast forward sixty seconds. But he says. Alta Mirano. He doesn't say Alta Morano. It's yeah. Mirano, Mirano every time. 
you know? Yeah. So I go voice it. And then I just double check watching a little mm-hmm. film of his, his UFC debut and it's Alta Murano, but it's, uh, you know, so we're in this tough spot where do we do the Americanization Ken flow or do we do it the way the athlete says every time Alta Mirano, you know, but are, yeah. are Rogan and DC going to be on board with the Alta Mirano all weekend long? You know, it's a tough thing. Having having worked at a translation agency, what right. we would do is you, you, just, you make it consistent. Either say it the way they say it all the time or Americanize it all the time. Right. Um, right. And so I, I think um, I, I think the right thing is just saying it like like the athlete says. it. Right? I think so, too. Yeah. And back at ESPN yeah. radio way back in the day. There was this Americanization of a lot of different names, Japanese names. You know, I, I've talked about this before. When Daisuke Matsuzaka signed with the Red Sox, they issued a press release saying, you know, don't call him Daisuke. You know, it's mm. Daisuke. You know, let's make sure we get it correct. Uh, Cody, so Alta Murano is going to be a no, uh, but you do have a, another chance here today. What a throwback, huh? Daisuke? Daisuke. Daisuke. All right, next fighter. Back in the UFC for a second stint. Ken Flo, I'd like you to listen to this one carefully. Mm. This fighter was cut in January of 2020 after four, four straight losses. Since, though, she's won five of six regionally to get back to the big show. She fights Wu Yanan this weekend, Cody. Who am I talking about, brother man? So I think this one is Lucy Pujilova. Ha, 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 ha. Yeah, so uh, clearly I'm wrong. Bit well, indicative of that. I mean, you know, you don't have, yeah, you're not listening to the file first. You could cheat. Uh, let's hear uh, Lucia. Yeah, no, I wouldn't do that, John. Lucia Pudilova. Lucia Pudilova. She has well, she has a way more masculine voice than I had imagined. Yeah. Wow. I, 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 um, yeah. Yeah. That's that's first thing in the morning. <laughs> yeah. Is it, did Fallon Fox first thing do that in the morning. Right. It's like I try to do my uh, UFC voiceovers right when I wake up. It doesn't work, you know, but later in the day, uh, oh, when the man. voice was open up a little bit. But yeah, that was not uh Lucia. But let me hear her say it once more. I want Kennedy to hear this real quick. Lucia Pudilova. Lucia Pudilova. Lucia so as far as I'm Pudilova. concerned, yeah. So the first yeah. name is three syllables, right? So she's been out of the UFC for like almost three years. So I found my file six fights ago, and I actually had the phonetics written on the file, which means it's one of the more tricky ones, but it's Lucia. Lucia. It's three syllables with the first name. So Lucia Pudilova. Yeah, well, and of course, that's not the file I got. I didn't get the file with the right naming convention in it. I got the way that it's spelled. Right. That's right. So John, John threw me for a loop with the first one because he emailed me and he's like, yeah, the pronunciation spelled wrong. I was like, is it spelled wrong on purpose? Can I get something I from this? Can I? Right. And I just right. botched it. So All right. it's a good well, thing that I'm not two. putting up a hundred bucks on the, the pronunciation of the weeks. Right. Is it NFL right. season? Yeah, I was doing better right. on NFL picks. And thankfully, your, your real segment is the Marrow Seconds coming up later in the program. This is sort of just like a filler segment for you. So we'll see you uh, at the end of the program. Yeah, just to get Thank my face you, on uh, camera. Love you, Heidi. Thanks ah, for the push. Oh, my God. It's unbelievable. All right. MMA fans, UFC 278 beckons this Saturday night. It's an action-packed fight card in Salt Lake City, Utah. Of course, to be capped off by this anticipated rematch between Kamar Usman and Leon Edwards. And you can throw down and grab your own epic victory with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. So this Saturday, new customers can bet just $5 and get $200 in free bets instantly, win or lose. And if that's not enough action... Not to worry. You can also get a $10 risk-free same-game parlay. Essentially, here's how it works. You combine multiple bets from the same fight. Which fighter will come out on top? How long the fight will last? And more. 
and a lot of different ways that you can attack the board. I'm probably most excited about this matchup, which is close to a pick'em right now between Jose Aldo and Marab Dwalashwili. I would expect two-way action right up until fight time. Marab, a slight favorite right now, uh, but we will see exactly where it closes at UFC 278. But you can get in on the action right now. Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use promo code ANIC. A-N-I-K, bet $5 on UFC 278, and get $200 in free bets instantly, no matter what. That's code ANIC this Saturday at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of UFC. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. It's now time for the Ray Longo Minute. I want you to punch a hole in this fucking chest. That's what I want. The Ray Longo Minute. Starring Ray Longo. The John Anik and Kenny Florian Podcast. You guys suck. Wow. I'm not responsible for anything I say today. (laughs) (laughs) So in the middle, get that guy in the middle of the damn screen. There we go. Oh, my God. You got the right T-shirt on. I'm so sorry. I know it's an ungodly hour. Come on, man. Ken Flo is in. (laughs) Where is Ken? Ken Flo's in Staffordshire, England. Holy crap. I haven't slept in four days, Ray. Oh my God, Kenny! I'm, I I think I got in an hour ago. I don't even Damn. know what time it is. So thank you. I know you flew into Vegas late Sunday night. It is now early Monday morning. It is before eight o'clock your time. So obviously you're waking up to do the show. It's 100%. a huge week. You're in Vegas for the Contender Series. Marab is fighting on pay per view. So uh, we just found out, by the way, in our pronunciation of the week segment, that it's Mayrob and not Marab. Mayrob. It is Mayrob. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, how are you doing, my friend? How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing. I'm doing great. <laughs> <laughs> you sound like me, Ray. You sound uh, like me right now, Kenny, buddy. I, I, Kenny, this is torture to me. I'm not even kidding. Yeah. But, Honestly, uh, if you want to torture Longo, I mean, sleep deprivation is a form of torture uh, to be sure for any human being. But when I told Longo when we broke bread a couple months ago that I had to turn around and wake up at 3.30 a.m. to go to the airport, you would have thought I told him that they, like, cut off uh, your pinky before you get on the airplane. That's like, He was like, you're getting up at 3.30 in the, only, the morning? The only sad thing is, man, I used to run through this like it was nothing. This was my comfort. I would go right through the night. Right now, it just I've been all caught up and I uh, can't do it anymore. Well, and as I get older, I actually can take a nap right now with my daughter. You get older, oddly next you, to me. You're, you're a baby. What do you mean when you get older? <laughs> well, I I wasn't able to nap when I was 38. Now, almost 45, I can nap with the best yeah. of them, no matter how much noise is going on around me. So. I got to know if it weren't for your wake up call today to do the Anakin Florian podcast, like what time would you be getting out of bed there in Vegas? No, no, I, I, I got the weigh in at nine. So it'd be like right, an hour, okay. an hour, right, hour yeah, an hour away, hour and a half. All right. But, so uh, tell us what is going yeah. on in Vegas before we talk about uh, Dwalish Willie. Man, we got Nazim Sadikov tomorrow fighting on the Ooh. contender series, man. Hopefully one out of three gets in. As you know, Bazooka won, but he didn't get yep. in. And Charlie suffered a. He was winning, but winning. Uh, ran into yeah. a punch, and that was it. So I think you're going to love this kid. I think he's going to do great today. Had a great camp, and, um, you know, I think he's going to benefit by seeing what happened to the last two guys, right? He'll be a mix of entertaining, and he's going to go for it. But he's he's going to be – he's a very slick fighter, and uh, it's going to be a good night. And then you fly when to Salt Lake City on Wednesday? On Wednesday. All right. 
This so long ago, just burning it at all ends, my God. man. That's it, man. I'm done. To you. I'm done. Yeah, Ray, Ray, how many fingers am I holding up right now? <laughs> many, I, mean, I, I think I may have to stop the fight. Yeah, see, we got to stop. Oh, that's no, it. I'm we out. Just, uh, that's it. Yeah, out. Trust me, the fight's over. <laughs> uh, wait, first, let's talk about <laughs> Dominic Cruz. I don't even yeah, know there's what a lot, said, but, a lot to but, get to, yes, of course. But, and we're certainly but, grateful that eight hours after being on the ground, you woke up for us today. What do you have for us yeah. on Dominic Cruz and Cheetos? I mean, I thought he was doing absolutely fantastic. I, I want to say I got more respect for him now than I ever did. And, uh, man, he was, I, I, I want to say, almost pitching the shutout. But the first two rounds were beautiful. Third round, maybe. I still gave him the third round. Um, and, oh, wow. Uh, just unfortunate. Yeah. I don't know. Just very unfortunate that uh, – and he just circled the wrong way into that kick, man. Just crazy. But he, I thought he looked absolutely fantastic the first couple of rounds. And uh, it was just a tough motherfucker, this guy. He's still trying to get up. You know what I mean? You could see he's just a stubborn. Game. Tub, yeah, he's just a game guy for 37 years old. And, you know, hats off to Chino, man. He just, what he does great is he never, ever gets taken out of his game. He'll just. You know, you, no matter what you do to him, he's just steady Eddie, and he eventually caught him. But I thought it was a great fight for I thought it was a great fight for Cruz. And I do think it is kind of cool for Dominic at this stage of his career, and perhaps call it a silver lining. But for people to see just how tough he is, and just how much uh, heart he does have, because I remember talking to him, you know, when he was in his twenties about his second pro fight that he won and he just got beat to a pulp and, you know, knew then like I can, I can take, I can be the nail if I have to be the nail. Yeah. Oh no, man. Let me tell you, just, I, I, I think stubborn is the, where you could see in real yeah, life, yeah. that guy's not going anywhere. I mean, you could just, when he was trying to get up after that, I go, man, this guy's still not out. Like he's out, but he's, He's like a Terminator. He's just going to keep coming for you. So I don't know. It was uh, I didn't like really seeing it, but man, was he doing good? I was enjoying the fight, and I did say in a three round fight, that's where I was comfortable with this. Now maybe yeah, Cheeto no, you're right. Changed, you're absolutely maybe right. Cheeto would have changed up his thing. I know you told me one. You told me it was a five round fight, that extra ten minutes, but um, yeah, it was good. That's off the Cheeto man. He just gets better and better. So it looks like he's in a good spot in his life and his career, everything. So. Yeah, I mean, really certainly good. TJ Dillashaw is going to be next for your guy, Aljamain Sterling. And again, we're not looking too far ahead of Marab or anything else, but we were kind of fantasizing a little bit about a matchup between Aljo and, and Cheeto at some point down the line, um, you know, for all the Bantamweight marbles, if you will, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think we got, we got that that division definitely is very, very exciting. Even the Sandhagen Son Yadong fight, if I'm pronouncing his name right, that's going to yeah. be a great fight. It's just. All those fights next week with uh, Aldo and Marab or Mayrab. I know. Correct. I know. No, at this point, uh, we just, I don't we know just that there's any going names. back. Yeah, we ruined well, all those it was, names in the gym, John. Yeah. <laughs> we just ruined them. Yeah, it was easier making the fix from uh, Bilal to Bilal, right? This is like a totally different sound from Marab to Mayrab, you know, but uh, it is what it is. Um, all right. Speaking of Mayrob Dwalish Willie, he fights Jose Aldo, and it's pretty incredible, obviously, if you do a little bit of a UFC career retrospective on your guy Mayrob, because he started 0-2 in the UFC. Now, you can pull out your asterisk and anything you want, you know, easily could still be undefeated in the UFC, but 
Look at him now, man. You know, look at this winning streak in this d- division against this level of competition. And um, now you got a legend in your wake here in like five days. Yeah, look, I think that that saying win or learn uh, really applies to him. Because when he lost, every time he lost, even before the UFC, he would get back. I've never seen a guy make those corrections like like he did. He was dedicated. Like I think one fight, Kenny, uh a couple of fights before his first UFC fight, he lost a fight that he was winning. He got stuck in the mount the third round, and he just couldn't get out, you know. But that's the last time that happened, you know what I mean? So he always, there's always, you know, that you could see the science fight. He was just like a mad hatter. He never held position. He was just reckless. He was flying over him. So he changed that. He was always making improvements. That's what I love about him. And, uh, you know, he's the guy that's going to go in there and fight no matter what, win or lose. I don't think it's – he's not looking at it. He just loves to fight. So he'll come out, make the corrections, and just keep moving forward. And uh, I just never wor- really worry about him because he's got the right mindset. Uh, he's not going to get down in the dumps. He's just going to – you know, it's from where this guy comes from, he's just grateful to be here, and I think that's what you see in this fighting. He loves it, literally loves it. Yeah, he does. So, have you cornered opposite uh, Jose Aldo before? Or no. No. Well, that's got to be pretty exciting, I would think. No. Oh, that's a this is really super exciting. One of my favorite guys, literally, you know, way back when. I mean, Kenny fought him. I mean, how many years ago? I know we always go through this, Kenny, but how many years? Two thousand eleven. Two thousand eleven. Two thousand eleven, and I this guy's Crazy. still on point. You know, and here's a guy that I think changed up his game enough. To where he's still relevant and he does it great, you know. But uh not I don't think he's the guy he was back then, but he's still he's still a handful. It's a that is this is not an easy fight. Yeah, no, I mean not all that long ago, Aldo was on a losing streak, you know, before winning three consecutive fights. So uh yeah, it's gonna be very interesting. All right, man. Well, uh I had a couple other things that I just sort of wanted to get to on Dom because Sterling had so much to say um about him, you know. Aljo was suggesting that Dominic is is just more skilled than Cheeto, but at this stage of their careers, you know, he's not going to beat Cheeto over five rounds. He also chalked a lot of this result up to Cruz's durability or lack thereof. I didn't know if you had any thoughts on that stuff. What do you mean durability? What do you mean lack thereof? Well, Aljo basically said that, you know, Cruz can't take a shot anymore, and Kenny sort of argued that that's very speculative in nature. It was really about maybe some technical issues for Dominic, and and running into the best finisher the division's ever seen. Oh, uh, man, that, that's a tricky one. I, that I'd love to see. That I'd love to hear Dom's take on. Because I think, you know, what happens right. with a guy like like Dom, his movement is so radical all over the place that sometimes you get hit and you're off balance, I believe. Like, you just, you know what I mean? You're not, you're not sitting in the pocket. You know, you're not really seeing that. He's moving, he's moving, he's down. But I will say this, he's right back up. Anytime he got knocked down in that fight, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's one beat out of a you know it's, no, it's he's right, right back right. He, he he won those rounds. There's no the damage. I don't. He might have went down, but it can't be damage if the guy comes back up and he's landing five punch combos on you. He was yeah. oh, never out of that fight. The la- the last knockdown hundred percent is different, obviously. Right, but right, uh, that's a. That's an interesting take. He's been down in his fights. I'd really, I'd love to hear what he says about that. No, you're right. Cause that's, that's the answer that would matter, but you're right. Like he's so urgent because he wants it so badly. 
You know, uh, yeah. it's well, just, I don't know, man. I don't know. But what a big speed difference. Yeah. I think, I think he's going at such a, a radical pace that again, sometimes he's just not set up for the punches coming in and almost like what he, how he got caught, you know, he zigzags his heads out. He, that he does all the time. The fact that Cheeto was able to catch him hats off to him. Cause you kind of know he, 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 I just didn't like that. You know, he was with, with a Southpaw just circling into that, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. power side, you have to yeah, have a hand up or something until you're completely out of range. Right. But and, and yeah. Cheetah was doing a good job switching his stances. So it was tough yeah, for yeah, Dominic yeah. to read. Yeah. It's going to be. Yeah. 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 I, I mean, it wasn't like the, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, I it, it was Cheeto confident in five rounds and another eight minutes he was going to get him. That's a crazy strategy, too, because. Well, right. Dom it gets, almost burned him against Frankie Edgar. Yeah, right. Dom gets, you know, uh, out of that fourth round, then he 100% needs a knockout. And I think Dom's got the experience to navigate around that. But. Well, right. Uh, yeah, that's. I'd, lo- I'd love to talk to him because I, I, I think it's more. It's it's probably he's getting up there, but I think it's more partially because he moves so much that he's not really ever have his feet set on the floor yep. the right way, and I think that's why they're they're kind of flash knockdowns. They're not right, you know, except right. for the last one. The first two, I mean, I I thought they were, yeah, he got sat down, but man, he was never out. He was right back in there. And you I know think why Ray, really, you know why Ray is right, John. You know why, why? he's right because we shared a very similar take. <laughs> yeah, well, you're right. You're oh, right. was that a take? I don't even <laughs> yeah. know. I, I, yeah, we we said the similar things. That I agree. I agree. I think that. Yeah, I think and, and it could it. be. It could be that he doesn't have the same chin, but it's hard to just say that because there's so many factors that go right, into right. it. You know, it's yeah. It, it wouldn't be fair to just make that assumption at this point. I think. Right, right. I'd love, like yeah. again, he's so analytical. I'd love to hear his take because he's got yeah. crazy takes on a lot of stuff with the ring rust and all of that. So I'd love to hear his take on that. Because that would be really, I, I, I'm just really, really curious. But that's uh, definitely a debatable topic for sure. Well, and Cheeto is revered for his chin. You know, he's never been finished in mixed martial arts. Cheeto hasn't been. But I don't know how good his chin is. I do know that his high guard is quite good. And even on this night, you know, I know Dom, it looked like he was sort of piecing him up with a lot of these combinations. Cheeto was blocking a lot of those shots. Yeah, know? yeah, he was blocking them. But you could you see know. the speed difference was there. Yeah, and Dom was in there to make a point against the tough guy. I thought he. Like, That's a again, great way like, to put it. I loved a lot of things I saw in that fight. Like, I, like again, it's crazy because even though we lost, way more respect than I ever had for him. I love to know, hear based it. on way more respect. Just I think the guy, I just saw so many great attributes in there. It was it was I thought it was phenomenal, and I'm basing it too that he's 37 years old and as a. As a phantom weight, that's not easy to do. It really isn't easy to do. So no, I mean, did. I mean, yeah, I, you don't need to hear it from me. But the dude's a total inspiration. I mean, there were times where analysts and play-by-play guys weren't allowed to wear like sneakers with suits on television, right? And I remember Dom would have to literally tape up his feet to put on a dress shoe in agony when he had plantar fasciitis. <laughs> oh, that says nothing of all the ACL injuries and, right. you know, the, no, the, well, the not, metal right. bar in his arm from the spinning back fist in training. I mean, on and on it fucking goes, you know? Like, yeah. I just think if this guy competed like in the NFL, right? Like Thomas Davis, the revered Carolina Panthers linebacker coming back from three ACL procedures, like Dom would be on some crazy pedestal for coming back and competing at this highest level and for whatever, you know, 
part of no, it, you no, can leave 135 right. pounds as a man in sport, you know, but I don't know. You're, you're, you know, you're 100% right leaving that out, but that's why I say stubborn. He's not going anywhere. You could see he's crawling his way back after those surgeries. And, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Just again, I think I'm basing what I'm saying about him uh, really based on the fact that he fought a, a, a super tough guy. Yeah. That is just on another guy that's on a roll at this stage of the game. Three round fight, he wins that fight. You know, and this show has actually been therapeutic for me today. Um, but sort of putting a bow on that fight. I didn't love this matchup, Kenny, for Dom in terms of the ones that maybe were being bandied about. You know, I thought. Dominic Cruz versus Jose Aldo made all the sense in the world. Ray actually came on these airwaves at one point in time and said it was his understanding that Dom versus Marab was like all but done. And Dom, mm. you know, I, I just, I don't know. I think there were other matchups that might've been, I just felt like Cheeto over five rounds was as hard a matchup as there could be for Dom. And he treated it like it was a world title fight, you know? Yeah. But you know, Dominic's not in to get another win. He wants to fight the best guys. So, you know, uh, that, that's what Dom's, you know, all about. So uh, there's no easy fights. Once you get in the top 10, again, 135 pound division, one of the best in the world right now. Uh, there are no easy fights. Once you get into the top 15, probably. So, um, yeah. yeah. All right, Ray. I, I agree. I agree with him. All right. Two minutes and then we'll let you go. Yeah. Um, did you see the co-main event between Nate Landwehr and David Onama? <laughs> and if so, Danny, I mean, come on. <laughs> crazy. That was, the WWE meets MMA. I mean, this guy. You know what? I, you guys might be too young, but uh, remember the Fonz Henry Winkler? He did a movie. Yeah. Right? yeah. Come on. Did you ever see the movie? Did I think he portrays like a gorgeous George character, where he's a wrestler. I oh, did see. Yeah. You got to go back. He's horrible, but he's just you know he's walking around the, the stage. I mean the the ring, you know, with his hands up. This guy, when he got up at, off a cross side in the third round, I go, huh. the guy needs the guy needs a psychiatrist. We've never seen it. I've never seen anything uh, like that on that level ever. to do that like, again and again and again, just to entertain the fans. Like, uh, unbelievable. I say one judge gave uh, the other guy that round just because he was annoyed about how crazy huh. the guy was acting. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, he would, but <laughs> come on, it's great. <laughs> That guy was out of his. I I started. I couldn't stop laughing during the fight. I go, this is, this is crazy. If you wrote that in a movie, people would go, oh yeah, like that's gonna happen. The guy's yeah, guy's elbowing his head and cross-eyed, and he just gets up and starts. Doesn't even look at him. What about Southern what about Rocky? He's, <laughs> he's Southern Rocky. Is that what, how I see? What about, what about when he's looking for his wife and DC just left him? I, there. I know. Didn't, he didn't even care. <laughs> He didn't care. Yeah. He just kept walking around. He couldn't get it. I, I wonder what time they got him out of the octagon. Yeah. I wonder if they <laughs> found his wife. Oh, you know, man. That, that, guy, that guy's priceless, man. He looks like, oh. a, very, looks like a very coachable guy. <laughs> huh. No, but I mean, he now is like must-see television. Like, oh. oftentimes, a lot of these shows, when I'm not working on the East Coast, as you guys know, I'll watch them the morning after. Like, I'll stay up to watch Nate the Train live, you know. Oh, so, I'm, I'm, I'm never taking my maniac. eyes off it. Never yeah. taking that, my eyes off that guy again. He was, I, the things he did, he was crazy. That was crazy, but yeah. man, was that entertaining. All right. Well, uh, speaking of entertaining, we will see you Tuesday night on the Contender Series. Wish you and uh, Nas all the best. And then uh, 
wheels up to Salt Lake City, Utah for the big one, UFC 278, live on pay-per-view Saturday, my man. And I'm sure you'll be there. I will be there, God willing. God willing, all right. I think I'll, I, I, feel conf- I feel confident in that statement. So I will see you in a couple of days. All right, safe travels. Appreciate your uh, your contributions right. as always. All right, guys. Take it easy, man. See you, Ray. All right, there it is. The Ray Longo Minute every week here on the Anakin Florian Podcast. And by the way, when you send Longo a bigger check, he cashes it sooner, right? So oh, this okay. check we sent him this time around, Kenny, was at least twice his Christmas bonus. Probably taking a little bit of shot there at his Christmas bonus check. But man, he cashed this one a lot quicker. Your Christmas he, bonus check fucking sits there till March. So he wants another rolly kid. He wants another rolly. <laughs> That's right. And, yeah. and, and yeah. A, uh, a Tesla as well. All right. <laughs> UFC 278. Coming up Saturday night, Usman Edwards, Act Two. It's the main event challenge. And the time is most definitely now. I finished fights. The main event challenge. The John Anik and Kenny Florian podcast. I made it. Let's go. Great to see you. Yes. Ryan Petrie MMA, the host of the MMA Takes podcast. Sir. And I see you're uh, you're making the rounds on some of these gambling shows. I mean, it seems like it's only a matter of time before uh, before you're given, you know, you're giving you two weeks notice to the guys who, uh, you know. I bleed, bleed, Anik and Florian. Yes, I was on the Gambler's Perspective two weeks ago, whatever, Yanni and Nick Kalikas. I did not know Nick was a Bengals fan, which is a treat. Those guys are pros, pros, man. I mean, Yanni is, Yanni is, you know, he's he's the nicest guy, you know, but before the show, like he's doing his pre-show fucking pump-ups, you know, before he gets on camera. Like Buffer? Kind of like Buffer, yeah. He's going okay, yeah. okay. You know, he's doing the shoulder stuff. And I'm like, this guy's a fucking pro. I need to. <laughs> I throw in a headset and start talking. This guy's warming up. I love I might it. Have to start rolling on that uh, Yanni the Greek warm up if I ever get the chance to work with him again. Yeah. All right. We have a lot to get into for UFC at 278 Usman versus Edwards two Salt Lake City Utah and yours. On pay-per-view, we have five pay-per-view predictions, and we will begin with the main card opener at light heavyweight, Tyson Pedro, minus 740 versus Harry Hunsucker, who is plus 540, and Brian has some uh, experience with Hunsucker that we will get Mm -hmm. to here shortly. Hunsucker, if you don't know, came off of Dana White's contender series, did not get a contract after a loss to Jared Bandera, but eventually made his way to the UFC after one more win on the regional circuit. Then two first-round knockout losses at heavyweight, now moving down to 205 pounds for the first time, and he draws Tyson Pedro. Brian Petrie, what do you have? Uh, yeah, I mean, listen, this is <clears> – <throat> I don't want to get ahead of myself because then if I do, then I'm going to have a bunch of Cody Merrill's faces on my ass because, you know, <laughs> I got ahead of myself with Onama. But Tyson Pedro, he missed three, four years. He's huge. He's good-looking. He's got a good podcast. They're trying to build this guy. You know, they gave Mike Villanueva, which he looked great, finished in the first round. Now they're giving him old Harry here. Harry doesn't have a UFC win. He has one win outside the UFC with a guy with over 500 record. He's just, he's tough. And I don't want to bash the guy. He's a tough guy. He's willing to show up, take fights on short notice. He's coming down to 205. And if he's thinking, hey, I'm coming to 205, so I don't have to fight these monsters. Sorry for your luck. Tyson Page is a fucking monster with yeah. 205 pounder. But I just think Tyson has this everywhere. Uh, the number's absurd, but I, I would I would cap this at eight, nine hundred, maybe even a thousand. I know that's crazy. 
because Tyson yeah. only has one win. But I just think he matches up well. I just don't see Harry being able to take it anywhere and win. I think Tyson's longer, better on the feet, better on the ground. If you look at his record, he had some spun outs before his injury where he he he, he gassed out and didn't look so great. I think he corrected it. I think he grew up a little bit with his time off. And uh, I just see him winning everywhere. I'm going to have to dive into props. We're going to go first-round finish. Submission, possibly. He's got a lot of submissions on his record. Maybe even a knockout. But I'm big on Tyson here. Uh, I, I I think this is this is a really good showcase. I think that's why it's on pay-per-view, too. They'll you know, be like, hey, right. look, look right. at this guy. This guy's a stud. All right, so Petrie, bullish on Pedro, likes him early and often. You're right, he is the much longer fighter. Uh, and he missed a bunch of time, Kenny, did Tyson Pedro. Almost three and a half years due to injury. Came back with a pretty big win in April against Ike Villanueva. Um, I do think it stands to reason that Pedro has taken advantage of that forced time away. Your thoughts on him here in the pay-per-view opener against Harry Hunsaka. Yeah, I mean, for Hunsucker, uh, fun fact, he's never had a fight go past round one. Never. <laughs> Yeah, like, like yeah. 12 fights or something like that. That's something crazy. I don't know. I mean, maybe I'm wrong on that, but at least his last several fights have not gone past round one. It's insane. So again, the, the bet here is that this fight doesn't go past five minutes. Uh, but yeah, I mean, Tyson, I think has him really everywhere. Um, and, you know, I think it's going to be exciting while it lasts, but uh, Tyson Pedro gets the finish. Mm -hmm. All right, next up, we have another widespread, uh, this one at heavyweight, Alexander Romanov, minus 345, Marcin Tabor, plus 285. Romanov is 16-0, coming off a win over Chase Sherman, 5-0 in the UFC, but of course, Brian in Tabora, he draws what most would argue is his toughest test to date, not just in the UFC, but career-wise. Uh, Tabor on the other side fell ill prior to a fight with Jarzinho Rosenstrike that was to go down at UFC 273 back in April. Tabora has won five of six, but he is coming off a loss against Drago Alexander Volkov. <clears throat> Your thoughts on this one at heavyweight? Romanov minus three forty-five against Tabora. So the line's a little out of whack to me. Tabora, I think, is underrated. Um, I know he's thirty-six. He struggled in the UFC, but he went on a nice little run there for a while. And once he finds his game, you know, at first he thought he was, he was like, "Oh, I'm gonna, um, I got great kicks. I'm gonna stand up." But then his chin kind of failed him. Now he's taking guys to the ground, getting on top. He's looked pretty good. And he gets a lot of finishes. That's what Romanov wants to do. And we saw Romanov struggle against Juan Esposino, another guy who likes to grapple and get you on top. And then the whole nut shot thing happened. You know, I would have loved to see how that played out because Romanov looked like he slowed down. But Tibor is not Chase Sherman here on the ground. Tibor is a big, big boy. I know he's 36, but 36 at heavyweights, like 26 anywhere else. 36 right. at heavyweights, not that big of a deal. And you're right. This is the biggest test for Romanov. And I got to take a dog shot because the lines are really wide. And what better way to take a dog shot than Tybor at heavyweight? I mean, I think Romanov's great. I think he's good, but I, I I do see some limit. You know, he's a little bit limit right now. I want to see him open up more. And I think Tybor, if he gets on top and, and we see, you know, if if Romanov can't Donkey Kong slam his way out of it, uh, Tybor's going to have a good night. And again, the line, line is wide, very chalky card. Give me the heavyweight underdog here. Might regret it, but I'm going to take him. All right, Tabora plus 285 right now on DraftKings Sportsbook Ken Flow. Still undisclosed in terms of the illness that Tabor was dealing with, but it seemed like it was something pretty significant. Uh, we'll see how he responds here in what is a significant challenge against Alexander Romanov. Who do you have? I, I like the fact that Tabora has evolved. I, I do think he's been doing some good things. I think his win streak was something that surprised me. I've, I've never been high on, on Tabora, but uh, I, I can't ignore the fact that he has made some significant improvements in his overall game. I just think that in this one, uh, Romanov does uh, a lot of things uh, better than that than 
I guess for Tybura, all of his strengths, I think Romanov does a lot of those things better, um, if I could say that again. So uh, for Romanov, I think he's a better wrestler. I, I don't think Tybura is going to get the chance uh, to take him down. A, a lot of it is because I think Romanov is the better technical wrestler. I also think he's the better athlete as well. So uh, give me Romanov. All right, next up, feature bout at 135 pounds. May Rob, Dwalish Willie, minus 125, Jose Aldo, plus 105. I mean, what else really needs to be said here? Certainly, we talked about Dwalish Willie and his 0-2 start in the UFC. Lost a split to Frankie Signs, then submitted by Ricky Simone at the five-minute mark of that third and final round. Won't rehash all of that. Since those seven consecutive wins, now he is favored, Kenny, to beat the King of Rio, Jose Aldo, who fought Kenny Florian in his second UFC appearance. Now he makes his 20th UFC walk against Mayrob. Ken Flo, very close fight on paper. I mean, I know you're picking Jose Aldo, but why don't you give us the breakdown? And I'll <laughs> the uh, you may be right about that. Listen, I, I think that um, I, I may have gone the other way if it was a, a five-rounder. Um, and, and I think that uh, if you look at the fights that Jose Aldo has lost, it's been against high pressure fighters, guys that get in his face, limit his space, take away his creativity and stay on him. Um, I, I think that Aldo can be broken mentally. Um, and I think we've seen him gas and, and tire out. The problem is it tends to be against other strikers, not against other grapplers. Jose Aldo knows how to be efficient and pace himself against guys who are trying to take him down. Uh, Dwalish Willie is a phenomenal fighter. Uh, he's a guy that um, is never going to quit. He's willing to die in that cage. Um, I just think that Aldo is going to be a little bit too much of a technician for him. He's got so much experience. He really does. And, you know, you look at the Jose Aldo that has fought the Chad Mendez when Mendez was in his prime and other guys that have tried to take him, tried to take him down. Uh, Aldo seems to thrive against guys like that. And he, he is going to have an advantage on the feet. I think, you know, Ray Longo would, would obviously uh, concede that. Um, but um, I, I don't know. I, I think Mayrob's going to have a, a tougher time taking Jose Aldo down than he thinks he is. Um, uh, again, go into five rounds, that fourth and fifth round, hey, I, I might change my pick. Uh, yeah. But I think Jose Aldo uh, against a guy like Mayrob uh, for 15 minutes, um, I, I like Aldo in that one. All right, Ken Flo is on Jose Aldo, who can be had as a slight underdog right now on DraftKings Sportsbook. Bry, Longo's not going to really give you anything technical. He'll give you a lot of stuff here on the Anakin Florian podcast, but when it comes to his guys and giving you any sort of technical breakdown in advance of a fight, you're just not going to get it. So how do you see this one plan out? And ultimately uh, on which side do you fall, brother? I mean, Kenny killed it. Kenny took everything I was going to say. I mean, Joe, Jose does struggle with pressure fighters. That's how Max beat him. Even though Max is not a grappler, it was just Jose didn't get to set his pace, but Jose's fought really good grapplers. Like Frank, he had Frankie Edgar's number and, and so forth. Um, but I think Marab's different. I do. I think this guy is built different. I think if when you look at the Frankie fight, Frank Frankie would do, die for a double leg or a single, what not get it, and then not go back to it for a while. I think Marab's going right back to it. I don't think he's stopping. I think he's nicknamed the machine for a reason. And I agree 100%. I would love this at five rounds. At five rounds, I think it favors Marab for sure. But three round fight, he's got to get on. He's got to go after Jose. And Jose looks really dangerous with his hands lately. His body work he did against Cheeto. I just rewatched that fight. Is incredible. I mean, his boxing is is top notch. I know we kind of lost his leg kicks, even though they came back in the Munoz fight. His boxing's phenomenal, and I think Marab's gonna have to be 
very careful in that first round because we saw what happened in the Marais fight. He, he tends to get kind of wild and get caught. He did most of his camp in Vegas, I believe, is what I hear. Yep. I wonder how much, you know, was Ray, you know, Skyping in or whatever the case may be. Obviously, Ray's going to be in his corner and, and it, it is dictating that stuff. But I do like Marap here. I'm going to go opposite Kenny. I wish I was getting in a plus number. I, I saw it open as a pick em. I understand Morabi's Mar the favorite guy right now, but I think this kid's a star. I love his, his personality. I love his fighting style. I think he needs to be put on a pedestal. Beating a guy like Jose Aldo is going to get you that. And uh, I think he was talking about it, going to 125, so does, does he have to fight uh, Aljo or Aljo's going up to 45? Because they got to work some stuff out because I think after this win, Morab's right there. I think it's a decision win for Morab. It's going to be close. Um, and really, it's a good live betting spot too because – we can really see how Marab is handling or uh, Aldo is handling Marab's pressure, and you can flip flop there, switch your pick a little bit. But uh, right now, I like Marab. I think Sterling's probably going to retire after two or three more fights, and I think really? that'll okay. be at 135 pounds. He can retire. Not, real quick, I'm sorry. Real quick, did you guys cover Roy McDonald? I want to get Kenny's thought into Roy McDonald. Did you guys cover? Okay, okay, good. He's, yeah, he's, I, I love Roy. I mean, he's he's a legend, so I saw him go out. So that's no, yeah. of course the the red fucking king, bro. Yeah. All right. Co-main event in the middleweight division. Paolo Costa minus 300. Luke Rockhold plus 250. I don't know how you handicap Luke Rockhold right now as a better or as an odds maker. He hasn't fought since that knockout loss to Jan Bohovic back in 2019. Was going to face Sean Strickland. Obviously, that fight did not happen. Last win for Luke Rockhold came in a main event in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania in 2017. I was like in my 30s, you know. Um <laughs> Kamar Usman fought on that main card. Gilbert Burns was the first fight of the night against Jason Sago. It's been a while. Um, now he draws Costa Bry, who is a three-to-one favorite to beat him. Uh, Costa also winless spanning his last two. What are your thoughts on this one in the co-main event? Man, I love this fight. It, it it almost doesn't make sense, but it like perfectly makes sense. You know what I mean? Like Costa hasn't won since Riol, which seems like 10 years ago. And then he's had that weird weight thing with Vittori. And then you mentioned Rockhold. Feels like he hasn't won. It's been five years. Both these guys are allergic to shirts. Every every huh. interview I see Rockhold and he's shirtless. But if I had that body, I'd be doing these picks shirtless. So I mean, right. go ahead, Luke. Right. Um, the one thing I get away, I like looking into guys' mentals. I like watching interviews and seeing where they're at. And Luke Rockhold, for guys coming off a lot of knockouts and getting pegged chinny, getting pegged the chin guy, he sat down with DC and it was a really good interview and it was open and honest. And I never really thought, I don't think he has the best chin, but I thought a lot of his problems were defensively. You know, the Jan Blachowicz knockout was a defensive problem. The Michael Bisping, obviously, KO was a defensive problem. If he can fix that, he's working with Perot. I think it's going to be, uh, you know, I think he's a dangerous fighter. I think he's also really good on top. I like his top game. Oh. I don't think his wrestling's all that great, but his top game's brutal. I mean, you saw what he did to Chris Wyman. You've seen what he did, you know, to other people as well. When he gets on top, that is his game. That's where he should be. But easier said than done with Paulo Costa, who is hard to get, you know, held down and get taken down. But, Man, I, I just love to know where these guys' mentals are. I was literally going to take a shot on Rockhold, but I just can't. He hasn't won a fight in five years, and he's fighting a power puncher in Costa who's been a little more active. And um, I think I think Luke could have a really good game plan if he stays away. Kicks, he's got great kicks, body kicks, head kicks. He's fast, and obviously maybe get on top is is what I would do. But Costa closing the distance from that power, I just I can't go against him, even though the line's huge. I'm going to go Costa. I'm going to be a little chalk boy here and, and go Costa. No, that's all right. Costa Ken Flo seemingly has remade himself physically. And I do think you can argue that he has underachieved thus far in the UFC. As crazy as that sounds for a guy who has already realized a title shot. Obviously, that yeah. night it didn't go well. Then he loses to Marvin Vittori. Hasn't won since August of 2019. 
That was DC Steep A2. So it's all in front of Paolo Costa here. I can understand why he has gone all in, at least as far as the training is concerned. Um, Paolo Costa, Luke Rockhold, Ken Flo, co-main event at UFC 278. Who do you have? I would argue that both guys haven't really fulfilled their potential. I know Luke Rockhold has been a world champion, but um, I think that uh, whether it's cockiness or some bad training methods or habits, um, you know, have affected him. Um, I, I thought he was one of those guys that maybe was going to have the belt for a very long time. Now, um, when you've had the habit of leaving that lead hand down as low as he has for all these years, is one camp going to change that? I don't think so. Um, and I think for Paulo Costa, say what you want, but the guy is game. He is going to fight hard. Uh, he is very fast. Um, and we were talking about, you know, what ha- what maybe plagued Dominic Cruz in this last fight. Is it is it a chin that is not what it used to be? Um, for that, uh, you know, I think it would be speculative to say that, you know, his chin is, you know, worse. I, I don't think so. But for Luke Rockhold, when I see how he used to take punches to how he takes punches now, um, I, I would kind of be willing to say that his chin isn't what it used to be. Um, it just is. He used to take shots great. He always had that issue with the with the lead hand being low and he'd get caught here and there. Um, but something changed after that Bisping fight. Um, and, you know, he, he hasn't won in a long time. Um, and it, it's hard to, to pick him in this fight. Uh, so I'm going to go with the Brazilian Luke Rockhold here, Paulo nice. Costa. They are very similar, nice. uh, but I think I think Paulo Costa gets it done here. He is quite a big favorite, but um, you know it'd be nice to see Luke Rockhold uh, get back on track. Um, but I, I just don't see it happening at this stage of the game. All right, and that brings us to the main event: Kamar Usman minus three forty, Leon Edwards plus two eighty. Second meeting between these two. The first fight, December nineteenth, two thousand fifteen. That was Leon Edwards' fourth fight in the UFC. He is unbeaten in 10 fights since. For Usman back then, Bri, it was only his second fight in the UFC and was still at a pretty high level since, of course, he has only gone on to become a future Hall of Famer and one of the greatest of all time. Your thoughts on the price and ultimately who wins the undisputed UFC welterweight title in Salt Lake City? So I think the price is good. I mean, Camaro's getting thrown around the GOAT conversation, you know, number one pound for pound currently for me right now. And, you know, I've gotten a lot of arguments with people on, you know, not arguments, just a little back and forth where they're like, Camaro can't be number one, dude. He he almost be barely beat Colby. Guys, he finished Colby in the first fight. Did we just forget that? It was a close fight, but he knocked him out in the fifth round. Let's just not ignore that. The hate for Usman will never, I'll never understand that. I think the guy is first-class individual, I think he's got swagger. I think he's an exciting fighter, and I think he's well-spoken, great story. So this hate form is kind of weird, and, and, and you know, and, and biases aside, but I think you know I can't compare him to the goat. I, I don't. I don't do those conversations because GSP is a special fighter. But in this fight, you know, seven years in the making, Leon has, has made improvements. But you look at his record. I, I'm not overly impressed. He's definitely shown some really good skills, like being able to stop the takedown now and be able to get up. You know, the Gunnar Nelson fight was a was a big deal, even though he lost that third round. But the one thing that kind of I keep coming back to is he gets hit a little bit. He gets he gets he gets roughed up. He gets stepped in potholes a few times when he gets tagged. You know, the Nate Diaz fifth round was was a little shaky for him. You know, like even though Nate Diaz lost every minute of that round, people think Nate won the fight because of the optics at the end of the fifth round. Um, I think Leon is the better striker on the feet. I think he has more weapons, but I think Camaro is better at MMA. He has the better wrestling. I think even Leon can test his wrestling all he wants and, and do it. Um, um, 
you say that it's better, but it's not going to be as good as Kamaro's. I think Kamaro's boxing is really good. He does tend to get a little wild in the pocket. He kind of sticks his head down and throws a little bit, but you're working with Trevor Whitman. You're going to clean that up. His power's big. Say what you want about Masvidal, but he slapped Masvidal, which no one's ever done. Um, and that was, I mean, that was one of the craziest knockouts ever. I like Kamaro here. Like the number. I'm going to play him. I'm going to play him by finish. I think he's going to TKO him probably in the second or third round. I think Leon's tough, but I just think Kamaro's too much right now. He's in the pocket right now. I like Kamaro. Kempfa, what do you have on the main event? Uh, because I'm in uh, England right now, I'm going not going to make a pick. Uh, so sorry, guys. <laughs> right. I, you know, listen. Um, I, I got a few more days here, guys, so I'm going to have to hide out. But uh, I am, I am going to go with Kamar Usman as well, right? I mean, uh, just a phenomenal fighter. And, and the big thing for him is, is he's improved his boxing to a point where he's setting up his takedowns well. And, and, you know, is he a perfect striker? No, he isn't. But if you want to go out there and take Usman out, which I think is the only way to beat him, you're not going to beat him by decision uh, to out wrestle him round after round after round in that division. I just don't see it happening. Um, You know, and, and Leon Edwards, while he has made significant improvements in his game and he is a phenomenal fighter and a dangerous striker, he's got to be aggressive in this fight. And in being aggressive in this fight, that means backing Usman up. But Usman's not going to back up. It's going to allow him to level change, get to a clinch, or hit a takedown. He's going to get on top of you, and he's going to make your life absolutely miserable. Uh, and I just don't see anybody, you know, for, forget Leon Edwards. I don't see anybody at, at this stage of the game who really is going to be good enough on their back to submit him or good enough on their back to to elevate, make those frames and get back to their feet repeatedly without being exhausted later in this fight. So um, Kamara Usman uh, wins another one. Um, consistency for this guy has just been phenomenal. Um, I, I don't see anyone in in that division as of right now getting the win. Obviously, anything can happen. Usman just too consistent, too strong everywhere. He gets it done yet again. And as much respect as I have for Leon Edwards, I would argue that minus 340 for Kamar Usman could easily be minus 540. And I think some people wouldn't bat an eye. Perhaps Leon Edwards would get bet if he was plus 420 yeah. or whatever would be the comeback price. But, I mean, Kamar Usman, he's trying to tie Anderson Silva's record here for the longest win streak in UFC history at 16. And to me, you're getting a guy who's 15-0 in the UFC at minus 340. I can think of a lot of guys we've seen in this minus 280 range or so, yeah. minus 300, that don't deserve it. Um, I think Kamara does. All right, Brian Petrie, I know it's been a long day for you, brother. Appreciate yes. your time. Anything before we let you go? Yeah, real quick. You hit 100%. People get afraid to bet minus 340, but when you look at who the guy is, it's a it's a pretty good number. Secondly, Kenny's on fucking fire. I don't know if it's the England <laughs> T over there, what he's doing. I want to ask Kenny a question. Let's just go down this rabbit hole. Is Kamara your number one pound for pound right now? Uh, I mean, I started currently, yeah. Uh, yeah, of all of yeah. all t- of all time, uh, n- no, no, but, uh, no, as far yeah. as as far as a number one pound for pound, yeah, man, yeah, uh, it's it's amazing what he what he has done and the kind of fighter that he's turned into. H- hard to find someone more dominant in the division right now, and that's a division, of course, that has been one of the best uh, for many many years now. So, right, yeah, I have met yeah. I have met number one. Okay, good. I just want to pick. I, I gave out my pound for pound. Kamara was number one. I was getting some shit because yeah. they're like, well, what about John Jones? Well, he hasn't fought in a while. Let's right. let him get back in there. But uh, I just want right. to pick Kenny's brain. Thanks, boys. Yeah, all right. If you want more from Brian Petrie at Brian Petrie MMA, uh, have a good show later this week. We'll talk hey, to you Pete. next uh, month. Let's man. go, boys. I'll see you.
All right, Brian Petrie with us for the main event challenge. Today's episode of the podcast has been brought to you by UFC Fight Pass, the world's premier combat sports streaming service with over 200 live events, the largest fight library in existence, original shows, and so much more. Sign up for one year and get half off for a limited time at UFCFightPass.com slash sign up. All right, we close out the show with the Mero seconds as we go three bucks on you. Cody Mero, what's going on? What did we miss? All that good stuff on the way out, brother. Well, exciting stuff coming to UFC Fight Pass. We're working on a vertical version of the rewind to get out there on social. So look out for that. I'm working with the UFC team on that one. Hey, it'll be some exciting stuff. Exciting stuff. I don't even know what that means, a vertical version. On a phone, like vertical versus horizontal. Oh, Oh, gotcha. Nice, kid. Get that fucking vertical going for the rewind. Yeah. Trying to get that fight pass money, you know. Uh, So UFC San Diego, fight of the night. Landwehr Onama, obviously. Uh, performance of the night, Vera and Tyson Nam. Um, Tyson Nam, right? Not Nam. You got Nam. it right. Yeah, Tyson Nam. So yep. pretty impressive knockout for him. Yep. Uh, just a couple things I wanted to point out from that card. Uh, Yasmin Lucindo, she did lose, but 20 years old, has 18 pro fights. What Crazy. the hell? Yeah. Can, what is there like a high school class of a pro <laughs> amateur, pro <laughs> MMA right? fighting in, in Brazil? I mean, geez. Uh, I thought that was really crazy. I've actually hired uh, Devin Clark's, Clark's dad to call me every morning to motivate <laughs> me. Um, it's great. It's a, it's a bargain at this point. I mean, he gets me up there ready to go. I'm lead in the pencil. I mean, at least get that guy on cameo, right? Oh, right. Yeah, that's a good. So, someone should su- suggest that, huh? Kenny and I are on cameo, by the way. We don't promote it because, well, there are a number of different reasons, right? But <laughs> I did do one this weekend. And I'm not saying this for any promotional purpose, but I think it's interesting that I sort of got to begin their MMA fantasy draft, you know, which was a very fun one for me to do as opposed to, hey, happy birthday, Carlos, you know, to actually be like, all right, you know, slapdicks, you are on the clock. You have the first pick, you know, it was pretty cool. But I digress. No, fantasy season's coming up too. NFL fantasy, maybe maybe we'll uh, work with DraftKings, maybe do some like Anakin Florian pools or something like that. You know, maybe maybe do a, Week to week lineup thing. Um, there's some collaboration there. I'm sure we can figure out. Any like it. The <laughs> NFL season. Well, we have to because the Patriots aren't going to win more than like seven games. So it's like oh, we got to find something it, to watch. Cody. You know? No, I'm pessimist as I come as a oh, Pats fan right now. Um, although John was right, the Monday after a Pats Super Bowl loss is just terrible. Which privileged fan in me is like, you know, Brian's <laughs> like, yeah, I've had one in my entire lifetime, and I'm like, right. yeah, well, sorry, I've had eight nine something like that uh gm3 want to get a special shout out to him for the performance and just a legendary career you know still going ninth submission at 99 seconds into round three he's just one finish shy of anderson silva's record at 185 uh only just yeah i love that you're shouting him out and all the matchmaking you know he's been in so many tough fights he doesn't say no either i mean the guy's tough as nails tough as they come uh Bilal obviously in the corner i think he's undefeated as a cornerman um in the last couple of years uh everything horse- he touches turns to gold that guy i know right <laughs> yeah. right. So, some might say anything that i touch is turns to gold Bilal hasn't oh. lost hasn't lost in the corner aljo hasn't lost i mean it's the opposite just- of the mma live curse that uh is actually memorialized up here i could actually <laughs> maybe reach it from here but there was a time and it didn't involve ken flow but rashad evans miguel torres stefan bonner our analysts successively like lost all their fights and People suggested that anybody who hopped on our set was destined to lose their next fight. Well, there is a curse like that going on in MMA media, but we won't talk about who that is. Um, the only people that are ahead of him in subs are just legends. Hoist Gracie, Jim Miller, Demi and Maya, and Charles Oliveira. So 
not not yeah. terrible. We walk Good into a company. room with those guys, right? You know, yeah, you, you know what's up. Uh, Nina Nunes retired. I uh, wanted to give her a shout out. Uh, she actually fought in the UFC's third bantamweight bout. So, wow, uh, her her career is kind of synonymous with that division. Uh, and obviously, she just wants to you know focus on other things. So more yeah. power to them. And they look really happy. Amanda Amanda was actually in the corner for uh, Ariane Lipsky. Uh, which is exciting. So I just wanted to make sure that Nina got her flowers there. It was a great moment. No, I agree. And I think that's very important. I love Nina and I love Amanda and I love the family. And uh, Nina wants more babies and uh, wanted to go out with a win and she was able to accomplish that. So Very cool. Like, I love that. Um, last point I saw on the internet, I was trying to confirm this, but I couldn't find data on it. Um, Mike Perry and Nate Land were fought in an amateur fight in 2010, apparently, which like, can you imagine the rematch of that? Like, I know oh, it can't man. happen because Mike Perry's not in the UFC, but like, man, sign me up. Like, I'll show up for that. I don't care where it is. Just looking into my fighter card library here to see if I have that on Landwehr. But you know what? We got to get out of here. Ken Flo's got things to do. And, and yeah, well, so the last two points I got are Ken Flo actually had to decline uh, the Conor McGregor role in Roadhouse. I'm not, I'm not sure why. I guess they just weren't going to pay him enough. But Conor's going to be in Roadhouse at Jake Gyllenhaal. Starts filming this month. And uh, from last week, RIP Vin Scully. I know you're a big fan, John. So rest in peace to the legendary broadcaster. Yes, thank you, Cody. Vin Scully, the greatest of all time. I don't have any point of comparison for that man in sports broadcasting. I could never do what he does. And uh, thank you for uh, acknowledging him at the back end of the show. All right. Thank you all for watching, for listening, for subscribing on YouTube. We very much appreciate that. Thank you to our sponsors. Don't forget on UFC Fight Pass, the Anakin Florian Podcast exclusive, exclusive The Rewind. Also for your merchandise, AnakinFlorianPodcast.com. And your One More Sleep merch can be had at Millions.co. Also for Ken Flo's Jiu-Jitsu Essentials, Kenny Florian martialarts.com travel safe kid we'll be watching obviously in a few days my man get back to the u.s safely and uh we will talk to you next monday if not sooner brother you as well man talk soon all right 361 episodes in the can thank you to our executive producer cody merrill for ken flow for longo for petrie and the whole team john annex signing off for now we will talk to you in less than seven days see you live saturday night on pay-per-view for ufc 278 until then be well stay healthy don't text and drive yo later Now's a good time to remember where the story of tequila started. In 1795, the first tequila distillery was opened by the Cuervo family. And 229 years later, Cuervo is still going strong. Family owned from the start. Same family, same land. Now's a good time to enjoy Cuervo, the tequila that invented tequila. Go to Cuervo.com to shop tequila or visit a store near you. Cuervo, now's a good time. Trademarks owned by Beckless AB to CV 2024, Proximo, Jersey City, New Jersey. Please drink responsibly.